The subcommittee will come to order. The CEOs of four of the five most valuable companies in the U.S. testified before Congress yesterday. Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Tim Cook of Apple, Sundar Pichai of Google, and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. For lawmakers, this was a pivotal moment in a year-long investigation into the power of big tech. What these lawmakers believe is that these companies have too much power, and this was a forum for them to try to make that case. Our colleague Ryan Tracy covered the hearing. The most memorable line from Chairman Cicilline was this pretty strong statement that really laid bare the view, particularly among Democrats, that the U.S. has not done a good job of checking the power of these large corporations. Their ability to dictate terms, call the shots, upend entire sectors, and inspire fear represent the powers of a private government. Our founders would not bow before a king, nor should we bow before the emperors of the online economy. And it really set the tone for what was going to be a pretty adversarial afternoon. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, July 30th. Coming up on the show, the biggest showdown yet in Congress's push to break apart big tech. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Congress's big hearing yesterday didn't look or feel like these things usually do. Typically, being called before the people's elected representatives is a harrowing experience, right? You have to enter through the same public security checkpoint that everyone else enters through. You have to walk through the hallways where there's going to be gawkers and onlookers and even protesters yelling things at you and holding signs. And as the hearing starts... Stand up, raise your right hand. There's camera bulbs flashing at you. It's really a whole thing, you know, and we didn't really get that. We got lawmakers sitting apart from one another, mostly with masks on, except when they were talking and staring at a giant video screen in the back of the room where the CEOs were projected. It was a whole different vibe. It was also different because unlike when other companies have been brought in for hearings, tech companies are at the height of their success. We're more reliant on them than ever. Their stock prices are as high as they've ever been. And it's kind of amazing that this was the moment when they were called before Congress. And it does demonstrate how much frustration there is out there about these companies and the power that they have. Their power was exactly what this hearing was about. The key questions at hand, whether the dominance of these tech giants is harming competition, and therefore harming consumers? And if so, what can be done about it? What Congress is asking is, are the antitrust laws, which are decades old, right? They've been around since the beginning of the 20th century, capable of dealing with these new sorts of companies that have grown up in the internet era? 
So, for example, one of the core tenets of enforcing the antitrust laws revolves around looking at the prices that consumers pay for goods and whether those prices have gone up as a result of a company having a monopoly. Well, these companies' products are generally free to consumers. So it's a little bit hard to do that kind of analysis. So that's the type of thing that Congress is looking into. Do we need to change the antitrust laws to reflect the online marketplace? Yesterday, lawmakers asked those questions over video conference. So will you please unmute your microphones and raise your right hands? And despite the fact that the world's tech powers were in attendance, there were still some technical difficulties. The type of thing you might see at your family video chat. One member's computer kept getting notifications. Showing signs of consolidation. Jeff Bezos forgot to unmute his microphone at one point. Mr. Bezos? You're on mute. Mr. Bezos, I believe you're on mute. I'm sorry. I've seen... So there were some hiccups. But overall, the hearing went pretty smoothly. The four CEOs gave their opening statements, starting with Bezos. Bezos was probably the most memorable opening statement. He gave a long biography talking about his upbringing. His mom was 17 years old and had him when she was in high school, talking about his dad who was an immigrant. I was born into great wealth. Not monetary wealth, but instead the wealth of a loving family. A family that fostered my curiosity and encouraged me to dream big. It felt like he was trying to sort of introduce himself to Congress, right? This was his first time. It also felt in some ways a little bit off topic because the hearing was about antitrust concerns and he didn't really start talking about those until the very end. At a hearing about power, the richest person in the world stressed his humble beginnings. But the overarching argument from the four CEOs was that each company is not a monopoly, that there is plenty of competition. Our products face fierce competition. New competitors emerge every day, and today users have more access to information than ever before. Many of our competitors have hundreds of millions or billions of users. Some are upstarts, but others are gatekeepers with the power to decide if we can even release our apps in their app stores to compete with them. Their argument boils down to people like the things we make and we have a lot of competition and incentives to continue to improve those things. Lawmakers on the House Judiciary's Antitrust Subcommittee don't agree. And for the last year, they've been collecting documents and evidence to build their case. Documents that came out in the hearing. Gerald Nadler, who's a Democrat from New York, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which is a very powerful position, used his first round of questions to go right at Zuckerberg. And he was quoting documents that we hadn't seen, describing both things that Mark Zuckerberg himself had said and that others at Facebook had said at the time of the Instagram acquisition in 2012. In February 2012, you told Facebook's chief financial officer that you were interested in buying Instagram. He asked you whether the purpose of the deal was to neutralize a potential competitor or to integrate their products with ours in order to improve our services. You answered that it was a combination of both, saying what we're really buying is time. We always knew that Mark Zuckerberg was deeply competitive and that he had this reputation of being ruthless, but it was really interesting to see it kind of laid out in black and white. What did you mean when you answered that the purpose of the deal was to neutralize a potential competitor? 
Uh, Congressman, well, well, those aren't my words, but yes. Zuckerberg acknowledged that he saw Instagram as a competitor. I've always been clear that we viewed Instagram both as a competitor and as a complement to our services. He also pointed out that the Obama administration's Federal Trade Commission approved this transaction. And so he kind of said, hey, look, regulators looked at this and it was allowed to go through. What was the point that Nadler and other lawmakers were trying to make about Facebook and its acquisition strategy? So the point they were trying to make is the way the antitrust laws work, if you have a great business and a lot of people come to buy your products and you end up with 100% of the market just because people like your products, that's fine. If you've done that by predatory pricing or buying up and killing competitors, well, that's not fine. That's potentially illegal. And so the lawmakers were trying to make the case that Facebook has engaged in anti-competitive conduct over a period of years to acquire its dominant market position in social media. Then there was Amazon. Can you talk about what lawmakers focused on in their questioning of Bezos? So the theme of the questions for Mr. Bezos had to do with the way that Amazon treats independent sellers. So these are companies that sell products on Amazon. They rely on Amazon to reach their customers, but they're not owned by Amazon. Lawmakers have heard from sellers on Amazon who feel that Amazon bullies them, that Amazon uses the data about their sales on Amazon against them to create products that compete with them. In general, they're trying to say that Amazon acts anti-competitively, and that it favors itself over the sellers on the platform. Lawmakers played a tape of a bookseller on Amazon who had a humming business until one day Amazon somehow restricted her sales. And within six months, Amazon systematically blocked us from selling the full textbook category. We haven't sold a single book from the past 10 months or probably more. We were never given a reason. Amazon didn't even provide us with a notice as to why we were being restricted. There was no warning. So you heard her kind of painful, her pained voice kind of begging Jeff Bezos to pay attention to her and to stop doing this. Lawmakers were painting a picture of a very large company in control of a very large platform that was really hurting the little guy. And how did Bezos respond? Mr. Bezos sort of paused and said, wow, you know, I'm surprised by that. That's not the systematic approach that we take, he said. He didn't deny that this could happen in individual cases, but he was making the argument that in general, this is not how Amazon does business and that in general, Amazon sellers love Amazon because they make money on Amazon. What about Google? What stood out in the questioning there? In terms of antitrust, one was about Google's search engine. And the question here is whether Google has changed the way Google search works over time to keep people on Google.com as opposed to sending them to other websites. Chairman Cicilline said that Google has hurt other small businesses that sort of relied on Google as a gateway to the Internet. Really, Mr. Machai, it's Google's business model that is the problem. Our documents show that Google evolved from a turnstile to the rest of the web to a walled garden that increasingly keeps users within its sites. Email and how did Google CEO Sundar Pichai respond? You know, he said, look, if our searches are not relevant to people, if they're not giving people useful information, then people will stop searching on Google. 
over the course of the hearing, lawmakers didn't seem to ask Apple a lot of questions. What about Apple did lawmakers focus on? Virtually all the questions for Apple were related to the App Store. Lawmakers had clearly spoken with a number of developers of apps who have various problems with Apple. One congresswoman, Lucy McBath, a Democrat from Georgia, brought up one of those apps called Our Pact. It helps parents limit the time their kids spend on devices. Last year, Apple came up with its own parental control app called Screen Time, and it removed a number of similar apps like Our Pact from its app store. Mr. Cook, why did Apple remove competing apps right after you released Screen Time? We were concerned, Congresswoman, about the privacy and security of kids. The technology that was being used at that time was called MDM, and it had the ability to sort of take over the kid's screen and a third party uh, could, could see it. And so we were worried about their safety. Okay, thank you. That answer didn't fly with Congresswoman McBath. Our evidence suggests that your company has used its power to harm your rivals and boost your own business. This is fundamentally unfair. Ultimately, it reduces the competition and choices that are made available to consumers, and that is a great concern to all of us. Democratic lawmakers used these examples to build their case that the behavior by these four companies was eroding competition. Some Republicans had another case to make. I'll just cut to the chase. Big tech's out to get conservatives. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. So there was another thread to this hearing that largely came from Republican lawmakers. And they were accusing the tech companies of having an anti-conservative bias. Yeah, it was interesting. Republicans almost at times seemed to put the focus on the political leanings of Silicon Valley. Google got a number of questions about its role in elections and whether on YouTube or on Google search it makes decisions about the content that people see with a political tilt to try to favor one party over the other. This is a simple question. Can you today assure Americans you will not tailor your features in any way to help, specifically help one candidate over other? And this, this what I'm concerned about is you helping Joe Biden over President Trump. Mr. Bajai pushed back against that very strongly. We, we won't do any work, uh, you know, it, to politically tilt anything one way or the other. It's against our core values. How does that fit into an antitrust inquiry? 
look, there are certainly people who would say that's not an antitrust issue. There are also those who would argue that if a company has monopoly power, it is less accountable about the decisions it makes to decide what content stays up and goes down. And so there would be a connection to antitrust law that way. That's a hotly debated topic, but there's potentially a connection there. What was your takeaway from this hearing of how Republicans overall are thinking about whether these tech companies need more regulation? Republicans were clearly skeptical of the idea that these companies need to be broken up. The ranking member of the subcommittee pointed out multiple times that being big is not inherently bad. Quite the opposite. In America, you should be rewarded for success. And that's something that a lot of Republicans say. In terms of regulation, Republicans are also generally skeptical that government regulation is the answer to a given problem, whether it be a big, powerful tech platform or anything else. How do you think this hearing plays into lawmakers calling for big tech to be broken up? Look, what was clear from this hearing is that there are deep frustrations with these companies on both sides of the aisle. So no matter who wins in November, you're going to have an administration and a Congress that is going to continue looking into big tech, that is going to continue talking about potentially breaking them up, whether that's the answer or some other sort of government action against them. It's clear that these companies are not anywhere close to being off the hot seat. And they're not just in Congress's sites. The Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, and a group of state attorneys general are all in the midst of antitrust investigations into these companies. The Justice Department's investigation of Google is the furthest along, with sources saying prosecutors are preparing to sue the company, maybe even before the summer ends. Ryan's takeaway from the hearing is that pressure isn't going to let up. And that came through in the final statement from the subcommittee's Democratic chairman. He concluded that something needs to be done about these companies. He said, I don't know what. It might be a breakup. It might be something else. But it's clear to me there's a problem here. We need to ensure the antitrust laws first written more than a century ago work in the digital age. When these laws were written, the monopolists were men named Rockefeller and Carnegie. Their control of the marketplace allowed them to do whatever it took to crush independent businesses and expand their own power. The names have changed. The story is the same. Today, the men are named Zuckerberg, Cook, Pichai, and Bezos. Once again, their control of the marketplace allows them to do whatever it takes to crush independent business and expand their own power. This must end. And it was clear from the hearing that a lot of other members of Congress agree with him about that. The difficult question is, what exactly do you do? While Congress figures out its next steps, The four tech companies all reported quarterly earnings today. Together, they raked in more than $30 billion in profits. That's all for today, Thursday, July 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.